if you remain standing, turn in your Bibles, please, to the book of Psalms, right in the middle of your Bible. If you have a King James Bible, if you do not have a King James Bible, I have no idea where it may be. Psalm chapter number 37. Psalm chapter 37. Psalm chapter number 37. Glad that you're here this morning. Our folks, if you'd look around, I appreciate some of you already have, to find someone that may not have a Bible and share your Bible with them. I would appreciate that, and they would too. All right? Everybody good? Wonderful. I've been saved for, uh, let's see, in April, April the 15th of this next month, 51 years. I got saved when I was, listen to me now, listen. I was saved at the age of 20. Um, 50 years, 51 years, a long time, a long time. Young lady, please stand up if you're able to. Please stand up just like everybody else in respect to the Word of God. Not, you're not standing for me. You're standing for the Word of God. And uh, 51 years, a long time. As a Christian, I'm 71 years old, and uh, there's a lot of things that you learn in 50, or should in 51 years standing for the Lord. I've never had the privilege, as some of you do, to sit in a church service and just be a part of the congregation. Very important. I'm not downplaying that. I'm just saying it. that was never my lot. Almost from the time I got saved, I was singing in the choir, youth director, something, and I was always sitting on the platform uh, of one of the two or three churches that I've always belonged to. Uh, with that being said, it makes it a little easier to shoot at you, if you would, than a person that's in a crowd. Uh, and because of that, you learn a lot of things. There's a lot of heartaches in life, period. But when you decide to take a stand for Christ, now you have also opened yourself up to the world and the devil, and uh, your own flesh fights against you to stop you from doing that which is right. So in 51 years... There's a lot of things that I think I have learned, and I'm going to try to teach you something about that this morning. And because many of you, you're just a lot younger. I even call 40-year-olds these kids nowadays. Uh, I apologize for that, but that's just the way it seems to me. Uh, I got started when I was 20. Of course, when I was born, I was very close to my mother. And um, you're just not with it this morning, are you? Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, look in Psalm chapter number 37, starting in verse number 1 through verse number 5. Are we there? I'll read out loud. You read silently along with me. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. I want you to go to verse number, four, uh, verse number 12. The wicked plotteth against the just, and gnasheth on him with his teeth. Drop down to verse number 14. We're going to read that one. The wicked have drawn out the sword. They have bent their bow 
to cast down the poor and needy, to slay such as be of upright conversation. That means life, okay? Drop down to verse 32. Same chapter, verse 32. The wicked watcheth the righteous and seeketh to slay him. Verses 3 through 5, everybody likes those. I do. Trust in the Lord. Do good. He'll bring it to pass. Commit your way to the Lord. Delight thyself also in him. I love that. And then the results of that are pretty good. But you have to understand here, when he's talking about this, he said, well, preacher, right is right, and you'd be right. Doing what we're supposed to do is good, and you'd be right again. Trusting in the Lord is a right thing, and you'd be right again. Delight thyself in all that God says, and he'll bring it to pass, and you would be right again. But the question I want to bring to you this morning would be this. If all these verses in verses 3 through 5 are right, and we're understanding them right, and I, I think we are, I want you to notice they're prefaced or what comes before verse 3 through 5 is verse 1 and 2. Go back and read verse 1 and 2 with me, would you please? Fret not. Now, fret here means don't let it gnaw away at you. Don't, 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 don't faint under it. Don't let it agitate you. Don't let what agitate me. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Neither be thou envious. Don't desire what they're doing, the way they're going about it, how they work, how they go about it. Don't, don't envy them. Don't, don't wish that was you. Don't do that against the workers of iniquity. Verse 2, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Now, this is not a suggestion. God is telling you in time what happens. God is simply saying, verses 3 through 5, this is what you need to trust in the Lord. Verse 3, verse 4, delight thyself in the, also in the Lord. Verse number 5, commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust in him. All these things are right. And then he tells us as we go on down through their rest. Now, when we think of rest, that doesn't mean a lack of trouble. That means even in trouble you have rest, you have peace. You're going to be okay. All right? God makes these promises to us. So I want to talk to you about this subject this morning. When taking your stand for the Lord. When taking your stand for the Lord. Father, thank you for the Bible. Ask you to please bless the dear people. May I, because of your word, help them this morning, not for my sake, but for theirs and the cause of Christ. May we understand a little more perfectly a portion of thy word. May we want to know what God wants us to know and then help us to implement that, add it to, and make it a part of our life that we might live the way God intended us to live. I love you and ask you to bless the people. If there's anybody in here that does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, it would be my prayer and also the reason Jesus came and died is that they might be saved. And I hope that happens this morning if there's anybody, young or old, male or female, church member or not, if they are not absolutely sure, Jesus Christ is their Savior. Please, may that take place this morning. I love you and thank you for this service this morning. Please help in Jesus' name. Amen. It is not so much of should we stand for right, because right is right, right? There is no substitute for right. It's right. 
You say, I disagree with that. If you disagree with right, right doesn't become wrong. We do. If I'm not right, what is truth? Thy word is truth. So if my life is not going along with what God says, then somebody's wrong. And I don't think it's God. It's going to have to be me. Right is right regardless of outcome. We're deciding today, they used to call it situation ethics, that right is decided by the outcome or how we apply something. And that's not true. Regardless of the outcome, right is right. Truth is truth. Truth cannot be less truth. Truth cannot be different and still be truth. Truth has to be truth. Right is right even as circumstances say otherwise. Well, see, it's not working there, it's not working there, it's not working there. Truth is truth. Right is right. It's always right. If it was ever right, it still has to be right. But here's what we think. No, but situations have changed. Right does not change because of situations. Right does not change because of circumstances. Right is right, even though the majority may disagree with right, it is still right. Majority has nothing to do whether something's right or wrong. There's a lot of people that have been right in a certain area. It doesn't make it uh, been wrong in a certain area. It doesn't make it right because there's a lot of them. The Bible said, though hand join in hand, the wicked shall not go unpunished. What he's saying is it doesn't make any difference how many people agree. If they're wicked, they're going to be punished. I don't care if they all say it's right. So this is what we're running into. So standing for right is right, and there is no substitute for right. Right? Come on, talk to me a little bit here. But what throws us is not necessarily, well, that's right. I may not be doing it, but you're right. It's right. Okay, great. That's not necessarily what throws us. What throws us is what happens when taking our stand for right. That is what confuses Christians. Now, it didn't used to. But it does nowadays. He said, oh, preacher, when you take your stand for Jesus, Jesus stands for you, and you'd be right. Pastor, when you do right, God will bless, and you're right again. I'm not fussing with you at all. But I'm afraid many misunderstand some of the things that happens when taking your stand for right. Now, here's, here's my point in my preface to the message about my life. In 50-some years, things have changed drastically in our world. Drastically. Now they're telling you, as the Bible said, in the latter days, that which is evil is good, and that which is good is evil. Now, if you happen to be born right now, you, you do not have that history to maybe understand all that. So I guess we're just going to have to trust God and what he has to say about it. However, I happen to have a little bit of history, not much, 50-some years of history as a Christian. And so when I look at this many times, I think to myself, when taking your stand for God, so I think this is what we've been talked into. Let's just do our best to get through this life unseen. Let's not affect too much. Don't upset the apple cart. Just be quiet. Be a ninja Christian. You know, don't let anybody really know you're even here. And we won't run into any trouble. And we actually think that is a wise thing to do. Preachers basically are preaching that. Oh, just fit in the world. Be like everybody else around you. And then you, I'm sorry, there's no Bible for that. Actually, there's Bible against that. So I want you to understand something. When taking your stand for Christ, now with that in mind, I want you to go to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter number 18. 1 Kings chapter number 18 and drop down to verse number 17. Let's read there. I want to read two or three verses here. When taking your stand for Christ... When, taking your when you take a stand for Christ, you're taking a stand for right. Amen. If you take a stand for right, in an absolute truth, you have to be taking a stand for Christ. For Christ is truth. I am the way, the 
truth, and the life. So if you take a stand for Christ, it has to agree with his word, for he cannot lie. Hebrews says impossible for God to lie. Even the very concept that maybe it's possible is, is ridiculous. God is truth. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all, no variableness of turning, no shadow at all. God is light. God is truth. God is right. We need to start giving way to that. Folks, I, I hate to burst your bubble, even those of you that, that are very educated. We happen to have a lot of those people here in this church. I, I don't understand why, but they're here. You have to understand, education does not make you better than anybody else. Right. Education is simply to help other people. Because we've got away from that, we're in it for ourselves, and we use it as almost a weapon to put other people down. Oh, well, you didn't even go to college, did you? You didn't. Look how you're acting. And so it doesn't mean that much. Education is to be used to help others. Okay? It, it will advantage you too, but it's not the Lord over other people make them feel small because you think you're large, or I'm sorry, smarter. Okay, so look in look in in First Kings chapter 18. Drop down to verse number 17, and let's begin to read there. You'll you'll identify hopefully with this story. First Kings 18, verse number 17. And it came to pass when Ahab saw now Ahab was the king over uh, I think it was Samaria. Or, Jerusalem at this time, and he's a bad king. Oh, he's rotten to the core. Terrible guy. Uh, I mean, everything you could think bad about him, you won't believe this. His wife was worse than he was. Now, the Bible said in verse number 17, it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah. Elijah was the prophet. Let's call him the preacher, if you would. In that day, they were called prophets. And Ahab said unto him, Ahab, now the king's talking to the preacher and saying, art thou, uh, art thou he that troubled Israel? Now, there's been a drought going on. It's caused all kinds of problems. Businesses are shutting down. People are at each other's throats. Folks are stealing from one another. People are eating all kinds of stuff to try to survive. It's a bad time. It is a very, very... Here, let me do this. We good? Oh, look at you. Way to go. And so what happens here is this. So all of this bad stuff is going on in the neighborhood and around the country. Everybody's at each other's throat. Nothing seems to be going right. And verse number 18, and he answered back. And he said this, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house. In that, he said, here's the reason why. You have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Balaam was a false deity, a false god. It belonged to people who did not believe in God and chose to set up their own doctrines, their own way of life, and then they attached a title to it and an image to it and said, Balaam. Balaam was a bad, bad uh person. Now, verse 19. Now therefore send and gather to me all of Israel unto Mount Carmel. That sounds good, doesn't it? And the prophets of Baal, 450. And the prophets of the groves, 400. So now there's 850. 450 false prophets. And then there were prophets of the groves, which were very, very filthy places designed out in the open. And so he said, I'll tell you what to do. Now here's Elijah standing for himself. Look up here. Okay, don't, don't do your own Bible study on your own time. Now, so here he is standing here talking to the king. He finally shows himself. This drought's been going on. Everybody's at each other's throat. Things are dying left and right. And then the preacher decides to show himself and said, I want to talk to the king. That was made possible. And when he gets in front of him, he said, the first thing when the king saw him, said, you're the one that's been troubling Israel. The preacher turned around and said, no, sir, it's not me. It's you. Let me tell you why. You have forsaken the commandments of God and, and, you didn't just forsake God. 
You set up a false deity, and you're leading all God's people to go that direction. You, you follow me? Okay. Think about our country. Think about your life. Think about what's going on here. So we come to find out. Go down to verse number uh, 20. So Ahab sent. Now he asked for everybody to come here. I want all the false prophets, all of them. Any of them that belong to Jezebel, all of those that belong to Baal, you bring them all right here, and we're going to have a showdown. And the king said, okie dokie. That's, that's in Hebrew. You won't read that in there. Verse number 20. So Ahab sent all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. Verse number 21. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But it, listen, listen, listen. Hey, hey, listen. Listen up. Then he said this, and the people answered him not a word. Now, hold on, hold on, hold on. I've got this preacher standing on top of a mountain or on top of the mountain somewhere. I've got a minimum of 850 false prophets and the king standing over there. I've got all of Israel, everybody that could possibly make it, standing everywhere else just watching. They have forsaken God and followed after Baal and Ahab and Jezebel to go in a direction God never intended. They, he has taught them to go against the commandments of God and worship false deities. Okay, you got the picture? So now what happens? Drop down to verse number 27. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Now he's talking to all the false prophets. Let me set the story for you. Look up in here. What happened was he made a, a, a challenge, and he said, let me demonstrate. You demonstrate, I'll demonstrate. Not like out in the streets with placards, not that kind of demonstration. And so he said, here's what I think would be fair, okay? Now, I'm up here by myself. You have all these people on your side. You keep telling everybody Baal is the real God. I'm telling you, my God is the real God. I have one man here, multitudes of people over here. While he's standing there, he said, here's what I think would be fair. Let's both of us offer a sacrifice unto you to your gods and me to my God. So while he was there, he simply told them, he said, now here's what I think we'll do. While I am here, you're going to build an altar. You're going to build it of wood. And then what you're going to do, you're going to take a bullock, like, a, like an ox, you're going to cut it all up like we would a sacrifice, lay it on top, but don't put a fire under it. Do not light a fire under it. Do not do it. Just make the altar, put the sacrifice there, do not put any fire under it. And everybody's listening. Okay, we got it so far. And then I'll do the same when it's my time. And what we're going to do, we're going to pray. And the God that answers by fire on that sacrifice will be the God. And the people didn't answer anything. They just watched it. The average Israelite, well, let's call it Christian, they won't take a side yet. They're just waiting. So what happens was all of the false prophets of Baal get busy. They build an altar. They put wood all over it. They do not put any fire on it. And the Bible says, watch this very carefully. They start praying from early morning. Go, if you would, please, over to verse number 26, same chapter, chapter 18, verse 26. And they took the bullock, which they had been given, and they dressed it, that means they prepared it, and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon. Okay, let's assume they got started at six or seven. Now we're talking four or five hours and nothing's happened yet. Oh, but they're still at it. I mean, they're chanting and they're singing praise and worship songs and they're having at it. And nothing's happening. 
Watch what happens. Oh, Bell. See, they're singing this very popular song during this time. Oh, Bell, hear us. But there was no voice nor any answer. And the people leaped upon the altar which they have made. And it came to pass at noon. Now we're clear up to noon already. That Elijah began. And this irritates even people today. When a preacher gets up and starts mocking other religions, it's almost like the people defend them because the preacher's got a bad attitude. I just don't think that's nice, preacher. Don't think I'll say that. Well, what do you do about that? What do you do about John the Baptist? You would say he's got a bad attitude. He walked right into the king's presence and told him, you're sleeping with your brother's wife. Now, you would say that's uncalled for. Then why did he do it? The reason he does it and other people don't, we just don't have the nerve or the spirit to do it. So back to our story, intermission, back to our story. So there they are, they built this altar. Now from morning until noon, they're crying out, they're doing everything, they're chanting, they're begging, they're singing, they're doing everything they possibly can. Go on down there and look at this right now. Verse number 28, and they cried and cut themselves after their manner. So this is what they normally would do with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out upon them. These people were as sincere as all get out. You don't really cut yourself till the blood's running out everywhere and you don't really mean it. Now, here's what we tend to believe today. Yeah, but they're very sincere. These people were sincere, and they were sincerely wrong. They were sincerely wrong. Remember, we started off by saying taking a stand for God. Remember we talked about that? Okay, we're not talking about taking a stand for the Baptist church or what you think's right versus what I think's right. Here is what is right. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall never pass away. If there's any one thing you can count on that shouldn't change. Now, here's what you're thinking. Here's what you think. I smell the wood burning. Listen to me carefully. You're thinking, but there's so many different Bibles out there. Which one's right? No, the rest of them are commentaries at best. History proves that the King James Bible is the Word of God. If God said, I shall preserve my words unto all generations, then there has to be an every word Bible that God said, I will watch over. So you can't have 300 and some different Bibles and say they're all right. You follow me? You stick around Anchor Baptist Church. We'll teach you some stuff now. Listen to me carefully. So what happens here? Go down to verse number 29. Verse number 29, and it came to pass when now we're middays past. Now we're past noon, we're heading up into the afternoon, and they, they prophesied until the time of the offering uh, of the evening. Now we're going, now the sun, look at it, the sun's starting to set. So they've been at this most all of the day. Nothing has happened. Oh, they're sincere. They cut themselves, they're bleeding, they leaped upon the altars. I mean, there's smoke machines going on, laser light shows, and, and a rock and roll band in the background called Christian. They're doing everything they can to get God to do something. And the preacher who knows God, he's standing there. He's not real excited about the whole thing. He's not even wondering if this might work. He knows it's not going to work. So, verse 29, and it came to pass uh, when midday was passed, they prophesied until the time of the evening, uh, the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, and there was neither voice, nor any answer, nor any regard. Baal didn't show up. He didn't show up at all. He didn't take their part. So Elijah comes back at verse twenty-seven. Now, this is just me. Okay, there's a few of us in here that we graduated from West High University, and. Uh, 
That's, that's the best we can do, okay? I went to West High School. It's, a, it's an inside joke. So what happens here is that we have a weird sense of humor sometimes. But Elijah did too. Watch what he did. We're in verse 27. At noon, Elijah mocked. He's making fun of them. He's leading them on to irritate them with speech. Watch what he says. And, and he cried. Now, this is Elijah crying. Cry aloud. Maybe you're not loud enough. Scream a little more. Now, he's sitting over here just watching the whole thing. He's entertained if it wasn't so sad that the whole nation was following. He said, for he is a God. Now, there's a little G there, not a capital G. He knew this wasn't a real God. And he said, uh, and either he is talking, maybe he's in conversation. And he, you're trying to interrupt him. He just don't want that to happen. He's mocking them. Our God will hear you anytime you go to him, day or night. The Bible said his eye run to and fro over the whole earth, over the evil and that which is good. God is everywhere present. You don't have to wait on God to go somewhere. When God decides to wait, that's because God said, you don't need me yet right now. God knows exactly what he's talking about. So he's mocking these people here. And then he says, or he is pursuing. Maybe he's chasing somebody. He's after something. He's just not available right now. God? Their God? I mean, they can't get their attention by cutting themselves with lances, blood's coming out everywhere. They're leaping up on the altar to show their sincerity and how much they believe. And here you got this Baptist preacher. I'm sorry, did I say that? Yeah, Baptist preacher over here making fun and mocking them. And we're not done. Look at the next verse. Peradventure, he's asleep. Maybe he's just tired. Maybe your God is just worn out. I mean, we don't know what he's been doing. He could just be tired. Understand, he's not trying to reason. He's making fun of these people and must be awakened. So they start yelling more. You got the picture? So we come to find out just before the sun went down, all day long, nothing has happened. The whole nation of Israel, God's people who should be following him, they're just waiting. They're not taking sides, which they should have done. Every born-again Christian should take a side, and that side is Bible and what's right. But we have a lot of people hiding in caves, waiting to see what all's going to happen. So when they got done, the sun was getting ready to set, and Elijah's turn. They finally gave up. You can't do this after dark. So I want you to notice what Elijah does. He doesn't just accept the challenge he made. He even added to it. Watch what happens here. Go down to verse number 30. And Elijah said unto all the people, come near to me. Okay, everybody step up. Everybody step up. I want you to see this. I want you to hear this. Everybody step up. Watch what I'm doing. Watch how I go about it. You're going to make a decision today. If God is God, you ought to be serving. If he's not, let's just throw the whole thing away and go do what we want to do. I'm talking about us today. If God is God, should you not be serving him with everything in your life? If he's not, folks, let's close the door, save our money, go out in the world, sin all we want to, because when it's done, we're just going to die and it's over with. So why are we doing all this? Watch what happens. Elijah, verse 30, Elijah, come unto me, and all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, uh, to whom uh, the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. He had, and he made them a trench about it. Now he dug this big ditch around it, okay? Now you find out the other guys didn't have to do this. 
They didn't have to do this. He said, build an altar, put your sacrifice on top of there, and pray for fire. That's what they did. Elijah builds the altar of the Lord, sets the wood in place, cuts up the sacrifice, and before he does that, he digs a trench around this altar. Watch what happens here. And, a, and, and as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid upon the altar and said, fill four, barrel, four barrels of water and pour it upon the, upon the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. So we've got this, got this uh, uh, sacrificial altar here and we've got the wood in place, we've got the stones in place, we've got the animal in place. And Elijah, he said, uh, you see this ditch around here? I need four barrels of water. Now, the other people didn't have to do this. I need four barrels of water, and then I want you to pour it all over the sacrifice and the wood and the stones. I want you to do that. Okay. I, I, you know something? I'd like for you to do that a second time. So they went and got four more barrels. Now, it's eight barrels of water. Now, the first people didn't have to do this, and they couldn't get that thing to set on fire for, uh, at all. Elijah got done with this, and then he said, you know something? I'd like for this to happen one more time. Now we're talking 12 barrels of water. Twelve barrels of water. Remember the challenge? If Baal be God, we need to all, Israel, listen to me, we need to all go serve him. If he is not, then we need to serve God. Now we need a demonstration and proof of which one is the right God, right? Make sense? This is what's going on. So Elijah sets this whole thing up. The trench, the Bible said, the sacrifice was full of water, the, the wood was soaked with water, and then that trench was filled with water to overflowing. By the way, they're watching you at work too. Everybody's watching you. They want to see who your God is and what he does. By the way, they have a right to do that. I think people in the world have a right to see a real Christian. Now watch what happens here. As we go on here, drop down to verse number, uh, verse 34, he said, do it a second time. Verse 34, he said, do it a third time. And then verse 35, and the water ran around the altar and he filled the trench also with water. So he's just drowning this thing with water, not just the same, everything around it. So there'd be no opportunity. Yeah, well, there must have been two rocks that clicked together and started a fire. I mean, he, he's going to take away all doubt that this is only God, nothing else. Verse 36, and it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said 63 words. Not all night long, not hour after hour after hour, not drawing attention to himself. He simply lifted his head towards heaven and prayed 63 words and God answered with fire from heaven. Understand what just took place. All day long, from the morning up until the evening, they did everything, but no water, no trench, no interference. Everybody seemed like they were for this side, and he took his stand for Christ. He took his stand for right. Elijah did it 63 words, and God heard him, and God sent fire, and it burn up the sacrifice, burn up the wood, burn up the stones, and licked up all the water that was around it like nothing was ever there. Now, I really like the next part, but you're probably not a big fan of it. He called everybody together, all the false prophets, cut their heads off. I know. Get over it. Now, so what happened was this. 
I want you to go down to verse number 27. Verse 27. And it came to pass, he mocked. Go down to verse number 36. And it came to pass. So all these things, step by step, these things are beginning to happen. Now, I'm headed somewhere. Please follow me. You have to understand, when Elijah took his stand for God, you're going to find out the people weren't, Woo! Yeah, that's our man! Nothing. No fanfare. No clapping. No party. No amens. No name in periodical of a religious periodical somewhere. Not had this great big old... One man standing for truth and Christ by himself. One. Now put yourself in his place. You've got a king and Jezebel, his wife, that wants you dead. You have got an entire nation that won't side with you. Won't necessarily side with him, but won't side with you. You've got 850 prophets. 400 of the grove, 400 that belong to Jezebel and false gods. And they're all standing there saying, we're right, we're right, we're right, we're right, we're right, we're right. But nothing happened. And Elijah said, hang that stuff. He prayed 63 words. And God heard him. Because it wasn't about Elijah. He said, they need to know who God is. But God works through people. People. God does that. God works through us. Listen to me now. Listen to me. Ladies, listen to me now, please. You're going to find out that this is what God does. See, there was no thanks for what he did. You won't find out where the people thanked him. You won't find out where they made it a national holiday. You won't find that. You just found out that one man took his stand. That's all he did. He stood for what's right by himself if he had to. He was hoping all of Israel would sweep up there and go, we're on your side because we know Jehovah is God. But they didn't. The Bible said they answered not a word. They just stood there. Let's watch what happens, and then we'll decide. Is that what you're waiting on? You're waiting on proof? Okay, well, let me say this. Then let's have proof. Quit making excuses. Let's have the proof. Actually, it was as if nobody acknowledged his stand at all. This guy stood by himself, and nobody, yeah, you know, the guy's pretty brave. Stand. Nobody said a word. That's pretty discouraging, isn't it? On top of this, nothing that took place. Now his life is threatened by a politician. Y'all listen to me? And a woman at that. You say, oh, well, you're Mel Shogun. No, I'm a Christian. And uh, what you have here is all of this because he took his stand for God. That's all. Now what happens? Christian, you listen to me. Because we're all kind of making up our own scenarios, our, our, our own path, our own understanding of what will and should happen if you take a stand for God. At the beginning, I said, you do right, God will stand for you. And you go, yeah, amen. You stand for God, he'll stand for you. That's right, preacher. You do good, he'll, he'll return that. Yeah, that's right. And all that's right. The problem is we misunderstand what happens when you take your stand for God. Don't we think you stand for God? What a guy. What a woman. Oh, I'm telling oh. You know, we need to write a special song for them, right? This whole thing. None of that happened to this guy. He stood, and nobody even acknowledged hardly at all. But God was listening. So let me ask you this. Go to 1 Kings chapter 18. I want you to notice several things when taking your stand for Christ. 1 Kings chapter number 18. Go down to verse number 17 and 18. Elijah went directly to the one causing the problem. 
Elijah went directly to the one causing the problem. Watch what it says, verse number 17 of that chapter. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, uh, I'm sorry, Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said unto him, and he answered, now he went to him. He was in a cave for a while, and God said, okay, it's time for you to take your stand. He said, okie dokie, off he went. So you're the one that's been causing all this trouble. No, sir, you are. Now, please understand, don't, don't, don't get this rebellious placard walking up and down the streets. He is simply preaching the truth. No, sir, you're mistaken. You're the one caused by and here's the reason why, and he tells him why. You see, what happens here is simply this. Elijah went directly to the person called. He didn't go to six on your side. I'll get about this. I'll go to six on your side. Yeah, you never talked to anybody, did you? You never confronted anybody. You never tried to find out. You simply wanted somebody. You wanted heads to roll is what you wanted. You wanted the easy way out. You just have to understand, it's not a gossip all over the church. You go directly to the person. The Bible even says if you have aught against a brother, you go to him. Right. You don't run all over and get a whole gang of people in church, split the church wide open. Yeah, all these people are on my side, so you have to be wrong. That's not true, and that's not the way you go about it. So you have to understand here, make threats and start stories and rumors. All of that's against the Bible. Read the book of Proverbs, says it. Absolutely, not go everywhere first and then attack. That's why people come talk to me sometimes. Preacher, I've talked to a half a dozen people in church, and here's what I've decided to do. Why didn't you just come talk to me? Why didn't you just go and let God tell you what to do? Why do you need a backup group? So what do you do? First of all, Elijah went directly to the person who caused the problem. Number two. He was not afraid of King Ahab. No, no, don't read into that. I'm not afraid of any man. You should be. You should be. See, that used to be my attitude before I got saved. I don't really care who you are. I don't like you. You're going down. Did you call that? Pride. Pride. It wasn't I just didn't like black, white, Chinese, Asian. I don't like anybody. Can I tell you why? I didn't like me. I didn't like my life. I didn't like the way it turned out. I didn't like the way things went. Everything was unfair for me, 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 me. And it was just getting worse all the time. Listen to me very carefully here. It is one thing to be cautious and show respect. It is another thing to have fear and panic, which is what most people do in a panic situation. We panic. We attack, and then later on go on, you mean they weren't guilty? Man, I probably shouldn't have done that. It would have been nice had you thought about that first. The Bible said the fear of man's faces. Do not fear men's faces when they turn red. You ever see somebody like it? Oh, right? The Bible said don't fear men's faces when they turn red. Veins sticking out, right? Blood pressure going up. And you think, man, they're going to do something. They will or they won't. But that shouldn't change my stand and what I believe. The Bible said the fear of man bringeth a snare. It's a trap. They'll use that against you. Do not be afraid of title and power or person and authority. Don't misunderstand. When you take a stand for right, God takes a stand for you. Right is right no matter where you have to stand. Right is right. Christian, we are God Almighty's children. Whom shall we fear? Please understand, I'm not talking about being cocky, prideful, bigger than somebody else. That's not what I'm talking about. 
Elijah. Keep our story in mind, what Elijah did. Number three, he lived in a time that seemed to be no hope for his nation. Elijah lived in a time when his whole nation either was hiding or blending in with everybody else. Think about America. Think about America's so-called Christian. We are either trying to blend into everything or we won't take a stand, or both. So it's not much different than Elijah's time. As long as there uh, are Christians who care, as long as there is a God in heaven who's still on the throne, as long as America has not fully turned her back on God, there is hope for America. There is hope for your family. There's hope for America. There's hope for your marriage. There's a hope for your children. There's hope for local churches. As long as God, look, Elijah's standing here by himself. The whole nation has walked out on God. And Elijah says, it's not over with yet. It's not over with yet. I'm still here. Who's for me? All you heard was crickets. All you heard was crickets. He had changed his mind at all. As a matter of fact, he leaned over against the tree and started making fun of him. Boy, he had nerve. No, he had God. He wasn't cocky. He wasn't prideful. He had confidence in his God. Christian, our hope is not in job. Our hope is not in military. Our hope certainly is not in politics. Standing together or standing apart is not our hope. The Bible says, hope thou in God. Hope thou in God. You're taking a stand on what right now? Just, just name the subject, not out loud. Just think about it. Show me why. Why are you doing that? Well, I just think, sorry, that's not Bible. What does the Bible say? What is the truth or the principle out of the Bible that you're saying, this is why we do this at our house. This is why our marriage is this way. This is why we decide to go to this church or that church. This is why we behave like, show me in the Bible. Standing for God, God will stand for you. But what happens is when we stand, there is still, listen to me carefully, why take your stand for God? Because there's still hope. Christian, quit being the ninja Christian. Quit being the hide in the background Christian. Quit being the blend in Christian. Take your stand for God. It's the only thing that's going to matter when it comes time to die and you go to heaven. In Elijah's day, wicked people were running the country. In Elijah's day, wicked people, Ahab and Jezebel and their, everybody that ran with them, they were wicked to the core. I mean, they were killing Christians, running people off, taking people's lands. They were doing everything. Well, the government needs your land. Yeah, but that's my, I don't care. Sound familiar? Things don't change. We get a new generation of people coming through and we think everything's new. It's not. It's the same thing that's always taken place. Bad government, bad things running, morality was at an all-time low. They had groves. I don't have time, and I don't, this is not the place to tell you what happened there in those places. Nations suffering due to a drought, depression, depression, famine, Christians in hiding, lack of food. Preacher, are you talking about his day or America? Yes. Yes. Elijah, in the middle of all this, took his stand. Let me help you, Christian. You ready? Take down the grave marker over America. Will you do that? 
take down, get rid of the shroud that you've wrapped yourself up in and say it's too late, nothing good's going on. Look what's going on in here this morning. God's word is being preached. You're sitting here. Nobody's trying to take your life right now. Uh, none of that is going on. Listen to me carefully. There's a lot of good things that are going on in this world. Take off the morning shroud. God is still alive. He's not dead because we ran into a tough time. Elijah's day, nobody was serving the Lord seemingly. And one man, one man made a difference to an entire country. You know why? He was done hiding. I'm not hiding anymore. God said it's time to take a stand. I'm going out. Where is everybody? Okay, I'll do it myself. That just doesn't seem to be us today. The Bible said, I will never leave thee, never forsake thee. I will go with thee always, even to the end of the world. When did God forsake you? When did God walk out on you? When did God change his mind? He didn't. We did that. Just like in Elijah's day with God's people back there. His eternal Bible, his plan is still holding and is still truthful. And it's right on schedule. It's right on schedule. It's right on schedule. We get so impatient. You do know the Bible said a thousand years is as one day to the Lord. It's been a little over 2,000 years since the crucifixion of Christ. That means it's barely in his economy two days. It doesn't say a thousand years to us. It says a thousand years to him. So it's been two days since the cross. We're so impatient. Churches are still being built. Sunday school teachers are still teaching. Buses are still picking up people, still knocking on doors. Many pulpits still affirming the truth with fire and letting people know that God is still alive. You still need to be saved. There is a hell. Jesus is coming back. There's a heaven that we can go to. You still need to be a born-again Christian in order to go to heaven. None of that has changed. There are people, I met hundreds of them this week, hundreds of them up near Chicago. We, we live here sometimes and think this is how the whole world is. Do you know in this world somewhere, somebody started a brand new church. Do you know in this world somewhere, a new baby's being born? Do you know in this world somewhere, a young couple thinks, it's worth it, let's get married. They're, they're, again, they're doing it. But we get so involved in our bad little world on top of Mount Carmel when nothing is going right, we're just going to be quiet and not get involved. Christian, you are not saved and left here to not get involved. Take your stand for Christ, number four. Elijah was not afraid to demonstrate. To demonstrate his God was the only thing. Now, underneath of your chair, there is a seatbelt. I suggest you put it on right now. I'm kidding, there's no seatbelt. <laughs> I'm just getting ready to knock you out of your chair. When everything looks desperate, that's when true Christians and Christianity need to openly demonstrate that God, our God, the Bible God, Jehovah God, Christ, there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There is one Savior for the entire world. Christian, quit shining away. You mean to tell me that in all these people, all the world, there's only one way to get to heaven? Well, you know, I don't, well, maybe. Yes, Amen. yes, one way to get to heaven. Amen. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Amen. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You do not call on the name of Jesus Christ. You will die and go to hell by your choice, not his, not his. When everything looks desperate, 
That's when true Christianity needs to openly demonstrate our God to the world. Amen. To the world. Quit acting like an unbelieving lost man, Christian. Quit acting like a lost believer. This is what the children of Israel are doing. They might as well have been siding with Jezebel and Ahab and the ungodly. You know why? Because they ain't taking a stand. I mean, I may get in trouble over this. Do you know there was a day I quit two jobs because of my stand for Christ? I didn't get fired. I quit. Back in those days, they would tell you work on Sunday. Christians would quit. But see, we started reasoning. I'm only for a job. What are you going to do about God? I quit two jobs. He said, what happened? We suffered. And then lo and behold, I got a job. You say, how'd that turn out? Look, folks, I'm here, okay? So what happens here is this. You see, we're acting like lost people. We are, we are, we are scared to live, and we're scared that we might die. So can I help you with that? Ready? Truth. You're going to die. You say, you don't know that. No, but God does. God says, appointed unto man wants to die. You will die. So I guess what's important is, how are we living this life when we meet the Lord? We find out here, we're, we're afraid to die. We're afraid of the future. We, 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 we never rely upon God's promises, just like the lost people, if, if we even knew them. No faith or trust in God. The lost, look, look, look. The lost world, uh, you come up here. When did it happen? Look up here. Hey, girls, listen. When did it happen that a person walks into Walmart or Macy's? Name the place. And you're dressed like this. People go, whoa, what are you dressed up for? When did that happen? I can tell you what happened. When I'm wearing my pants like this. When did it happen? Stay there. When did it happen that you will no longer carry a Bible? You've traded it in for a phone that nobody knows if you have a Bible or not. When did it happen that going to church on Sunday night or midweek service or even Sunday morning is optional for the Christian? When did that happen? It didn't used to happen that way. What happened? We're becoming just like the, the nation of Israel in Elijah's time. We're slowly backing up, and famine is hitting us. And I don't mean just food. I'm talking about the Word of God. I'm talking about preaching from pulpits. I'm talking about young men and women dressing the way they should, acting the way they should, behaving the way they should, so that we can demonstrate to the world this is what God can do in a person's life who will simply take their stand for God. God's not dead. We are. God's not the one that died. We're the ones that's not living. When did all this happen? When did it happen that we don't use a Bible anymore when we come to church? When did it Look, folks, okay, I'm smart enough to know this. This doesn't make you a Christian. I could take this off. I would still be a Christian. Yeah, preacher, then why wear one? This is our mentality. There was a time on our bus routes, I don't know why it happened. We have changed from doing what is proper to doing whatever is comfortable. Yeah. 
So girls were showing up on our bus route coming to church in their pajamas. They just got out of the bedroom. And when we said, we, we can't have you doing that, their mothers would call. I thought you loved people over there. If my daughter's comfortable, she, that shouldn't make a difference. Jesus loves everybody. Now, you're sitting here right now going, oh, yeah, he does, doesn't he? question is this, why? You going to stand before the king of all ages everywhere in your pajamas? You going to come to church and purposely go to sleep as the king of all ages is trying to talk with you through his word? Is that what we've come to? Go back and look at pictures and stuff of those just before my generation, and even my generation. They go to baseball games wearing a suit. That's uncalled for. See, there you go again, making excuses for why we do what we do. And now it's getting to the point that even in church, we're going to talk to the preacher the way we want to. We'll sleep when we want to. We'll eat in the auditorium. You don't eat in this auditorium. You don't drink in this auditorium. Oh, you think it's some special place. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir, it is. This is called the house of God. You don't treat, your kids are not running around all over here punching people, knocking, it's not going to happen. Why? This is a special place. This is where God said, I want to meet with you. I want to meet with you. I can be with God anywhere, but God said, I want to meet with you in my church. We were driving the other day. What did we see the name of that place? That one place we we drove by. I saw the goofiest name for a church. Had something to do with motorcycle gang or something. your exhaust at church or something. I don't know. <laughs> kind of stinks, you ask me. But anyway, so we're coming up with all kinds of new stuff. Can I tell you something? This book is new to most of our generation anyway. We, we don't even know what it says. We're making stuff up as we go. Thank you. You can be seated. Please understand, the lost world is waiting to see a real Christian. On the other hand, they don't want to see a real Christian. See, they, they know who the fake is. They know that guy. That says, yeah, I go to church. He pats around on women. He tells dirty jokes. He drinks on the side. And that they side with you. They're not taking you serious. They're not taking you serious. They know better. Even lost people out in the world know what a Christian should be. You can't smoke and drink. Most Christians go, yes, you can. Lost people go, no, you can't. At the same time, they don't want to see that. Because it brings conviction. And the first thing they'll do is attack and go like, yeah, do you think you're better because you go to church? I have never said that in my entire life. You know why? That's not true. Because I go to church, I'm not better than you. I'm better off because I'm saved. I'm not better than you. See, the world gets you thinking this way, so you just kind of stand and wait to see. And I think it's about time you open this. I think there ought to be some Christians in their home and on their job that when people look at you and go, I think they're a Christian. I think that's the way it ought to be done. Instead of, yeah, he's like me. Yeah, I had a guy one time went to a Catholic church. The night before, when I knocked on his door, he said, I go to the Catholic church. I said, well, sir, and I started to say something. He said, can I tell you why I like my priest so much? I said, yeah, go ahead. He said, he's just like me. Actually, last night, the fish fry, he got so drunk he couldn't even go home. He fell asleep right there on the step and threw up, and I was right beside him. Man, I can identify with that. Is that what you're looking for? Someone to identify with you or someone you should be identifying with? 
So what do we have here? The whole nation was in hiding or conforming to it. Think about Christianity. Again, it irritates me to no end. I went by a church the other day doing some shopping somewhere, and on the, and they had buildings. I mean, building after building after building. And on the sign out front, all it said was Sunday morning worship service, 9.30. You got all those buildings for what? To do what? Elijah said, I'll tell you what we'll do. If Baal be God, let's serve him. Let's just, let's just cut to the chase. If you can prove to me that what the world is doing is right and it turns out, I'll do that. We'll just take this whole thing and throw it in the trash and call it a day. But you explain to me how your friend changed overnight. You explain to me how somebody heading this direction turned and went this direction. You explain to me how God saves a nation over and over. Explain to me the marvelous things that God does. You don't want to pay attention to it, but it's there. Elijah said, let's openly demonstrate and prove God. I want to make a statement that I've made several times. I want you to listen very carefully. You may be saved, but are you a Christian? He said, it's one and the same. Oh, no, it's not. No, it's not. They weren't called Christians. They didn't call themselves Christians. They were not called Christians until Antioch. They were called that by heathen people. It was a curse and a slander and an embarrassment. Because, you see, Jesus died on the cross, which was capital punishment. Oh, you're a Christian. They identified and said, you're like him, aren't you? They didn't go, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm saved. I'm a Christian. No, there are a lot of people that are saved, but Christian means Christ-like. Christian doesn't mean saved. It means Christ-like. Saved is saved. I think there are a lot of people that are saved, but they're not Christ-like. You just chew on that for a little while. You come clear. You see what happens here. Why don't you start openly carrying your Bible? I worked in Owens, Illinois, in the south end, uh, shortly after I started our church back 30-some years ago. And I uh, had my brown bag, getting ready to go to work, right, brown bag. And I had my black Bible. Everybody already knew the preacher was coming. They already knew. Why don't they know you're already a Christian? They got to pry it out of you, catch you. You read the Bible? No, no. I just do it sometimes. What are you you doing? Our bosses is telling us we can't live for Jesus anymore? Really? Heathen people are telling us what we can and can't do for our God? So there I was. Went to Old Illinois. Glass factory. Ovens everywhere. Man, it's hot in there. Four shift, swing shift. Every week, you went to work on different days on a different shift. It was confusing as a termite yo-yo. It was terrible. So I went to work, and there I was, walking down the middle aisle. Everybody already, hey, preacher coming. We got a preacher coming. Yeah, hey, preacher coming. Here I come, brown bag, Bible. Walk down the middle aisle. Put my Bible down, put my brown bag down, put on my gloves, got ready to go to work. And there was this big mama there. She just was. She had gloves on up here. She had arms as big as your thigh. Cigarette hanging out of my mouth. Sleeves were cut off. No, no, no. Cut off. And then she reached for me anyway. So there she was with bib overhauls on, men's works boots, 
I pulled up beside him. That was my workstation. You're the preacher, right? Yes, ma'am. Heard you were coming. As soon as that happens, you're on trial. Actually, I was on trial before I ever got there. I, all, I came that close to winning that damn thing. But she gave way to what the world thought. And there was a preacher right beside me. Now, what would happen if I agreed with her and I acted like her and I behaved like her? So when I got burnt on that hot glass, I didn't accidentally cuss. She didn't accidentally cuss either. She just cussed all the time. There's no accident about it. She smoked like freight train. One right after another in that hot, you know, I was like today, you folk, I probably shouldn't say this. Oh, I get myself in so much trouble. Anyway, okay, let's move on before I. Do you bow your head out in public when you eat? Or you do it like this? Thank you, Lord. You're ashamed, aren't you? What you're worried about, you don't have to. I don't do it because I'm tempted. All these people know this. I do not go to places where they serve booze. I don't care how friendly a restaurant it is. You can do what you want. My dad was a drunk, and I'm not tempted by that. It's just a standard that I set. I, I just said, I said I'm not going to go there. Now, about the only place I can go anymore is like Burger King. You, you, can't, you can't go to, you really can't. You, I can't go hardly any place to eat anymore. I've never under, why does Bob Evans, get, really, you drink a beer while you're having breakfast? Seriously? Bob Evans serving booze now. I probably shouldn't have told you that. Oh, I didn't know that, honey. We'll go out and eat. You embarrassed? You're embarrassed to bow your head and thank God for the food you're about ready to eat? Tell those around you where you live and where you work that God is ruling my life. We're embarrassed. We are. We just want to get through this life and not cause any trouble. Elijah was in a cave by himself. God said, get out of the cave and take your stand. He did. And it caused trouble. This is the part we don't understand. We keep thinking if we do everything right, everything will turn out right. Well, ultimately it will. But in the meantime, we misunderstand a whole lot. Don't doubt what he says in his word or he will keep that he will keep his promises. You openly demonstrate and take your stand for God and don't you worry about God and what he's able to do. He will do what he said. Number five, what should be a Christian's actions in times of trouble? You ready? Very simple. What should I do? What should be my actions in times of trouble, preacher? Ready? 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 You're right. Obey God. Not that complicated, hard to do sometimes, not that complicated. Elijah had learned to follow and obey God no matter what happened. Ladies and gentlemen, now is not the time to be hiding in a cave or blend in with everybody as though there are no more Christians in the world. There are. Elijah took a stand, and when he finally demonstrated God, 7,000 others who had not bowed the knee to Baal began to take their stand. Somebody on the job waiting for you to stand up. Somebody in your family is waiting for you to say during Thanksgiving, I'm sorry, I, I need to pray before you. That's it. Well, they're not really for it. That's why you're there. To show them. Not to show off, but to demonstrate God is still real and lives in America. Witness now. 
missing this whole week. Ready? You know what that is? She looks like a piece of cardboard. Well, maybe that's true. We call it track, not a tract, like a train track. T-R-A-C-T, tract. Okay? It has the gospel, death, burial, and resurrection, a, a message for lost people and how they can be saved. Question. Ready? 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 Ninja Christian, are you ready? You who try to blend in so as not to cause trouble. Can I ask you a question? When is the last time you even gave one of these to anybody? You say, I don't talk to people. Didn't ask you to talk. I asked you to give something to somebody. Your God's not real. He's not worth standing for. He's not worth sharing with somebody else. Why not? Because our world, and I blame preachers for a lot of, they're just not challenging people anymore. They're not preaching to people anymore. They're kind of letting them do whatever they want to. It's about time we openly demonstrated that we have the right God and the world doesn't have answers for anything. That's why they change every two to three years. They change on child rearing. They change on, on marriages. They change on what churches should be. They change on everything. And yet we keep running to them. God doesn't change. It's the same. Elijah learned to stand for right when others did not. Folks, don't be afraid to stand with God. The whole world against me and God, I feel sorry for them. Why should I be the one that fear? Why should I be the one that turn tail? Why should I be the one that back away? Why should I? Hey, you need to be quiet over there. Now, it's just me. I do stuff I shouldn't do. Okay, I'm just letting you know. Like preaching, probably shouldn't do that. This, this uh, let me look around first. Ooh, gonna come real close. Let's talk about bright pink hair or bright bright blue hair. You do that, and then you go like this. Do you like my hair? And here's what you want in return. I love what you're doing. It's like a person. I met a real nice girl at the hotel where we were staying. There's a new thing. Maybe it's not new. I'm old. I, I catch on later. She had fingernails, and they weren't real long. They're about this long. But they, she had add-ons. Is that what they call? What they call? Huh? Like like little uh, bunnies and, and what? Oh, real? Okay. And uh, she was there, and I thought, look at your fingernails. She didn't know what to do at first, so she kind of looked at me, and I said, what are those? So she described the whole thing to me. She had maybe 24, 25 years old, real nice, real pretty girl, and she had tattoos and some other things, and I, I needed a place to talk. So I said, look at your fingernails. That is something. I didn't say I like them. I said, that's something. Very artistic, though. Very nicely done. Okay. And so we got, I said, how do you do that? So she went through the whole thing. And I'm just standing there talking to her. And I said, so do you live around here? Yeah, I live two far from here. She said, are you with those other people that were in here that didn't talk to you? No, no, she didn't say that. <laughs> I said, uh, yeah, we're, we're from a church in Columbus, and we're here for a convention. She went, oh, okay. I said, can I ask you something? You go to church here? Very nice. Very nice. I said, here, let me give you something. I didn't have one. Here's what she did. She took it and she looked at it and she went, that's you. 
Last time I looked, there's me. You're a preacher. Yes, ma'am, I'm a preacher. Do you go to church now? Now, you'll talk about the fingernail. You'll talk about the pink hair. Whether you like it or not, you'll fall in love with you when you do that. Right? Because you're supposed to. I, I, was, I should tell you this. I was in Kroger not long ago. And uh, you ever see these people that want to say, Sir, can I ask you, how about your utility bills? Who are you with? Here's what I want to tell them. No, your business. But I didn't do that. So I started to walk by. And as I went by, there was this guy standing there, a big tall fella, and this short white girl, she was white, had bright, I think it was bluish green, maybe both. And I know what people want. Look, if you don't want to attract attention, I suggest you don't do that. So she got my attention. I just walked by and said, you look stupid. That's not very pastoral. I know, I know, I know, I know. To this day, I keep thinking, I shouldn't have said that. I, I'm not like you. I don't always say everything that's right. I'm not like you. I don't always say that. Did you get that part? Okay. But what we're looking for is, okay, I'm going to shave both sides of my head. I'm going to have lightning bolts and my initials in the back. And you know what you're supposed to say? That is so cool. That is the hottest thing I've ever seen. Talking about Christians. Christians fitting into the world so they're not any different than anybody else. Elijah said, can't do that. See, now's the time to witness. Now's the time to give and tithe. And now's the time to pray. And now's the time to teach. And now's the time to get involved in your local church. Elijah learned to stand for right when others would not. Now is the time, Christian, when you need to stand. Quit complaining about your neighborhood when you're not doing anything about it. Don't be afraid to stand alone with God. Not only did Elijah oppose the king, the president at that time, but none of the other God's people stood up. If you have to stand alone with God, why not? Because you're going to catch it. You know you are, right? It's not so bad when I first started going to church. I thought my mom would be happy her drug addict dealing son got saved. And I'm going to go to church. My mom, you thought, whoo, do backflips, right? Cartwheels across the front row. She didn't do anything. She laid there in the dark, smoked her cigarettes, drank her coffee, listened to her books. I thought she'd be, Mom, I guess what I went to that. Where's that thing? I went to church. Oh, okay. Well, she went right on with life. I thought, well, that's kind of disappointing. Anticlimactic. I thought myself, I figured she'd get it. Oh, that's great. But she always told me, she said, no matter what you do, you'll always have a roof here. I was dealing drugs, running around, in and out of jail. Always had a roof. I got saved. I'd get up in the morning, roll over to my knees, and have prayer. Not, oh, God. I didn't pray that way. I just had prayer. I'd get up in the morning, go get a bowl of cereal, bow my head. I mean, it's right after I got saved. And I'd have prayer. I'd have my Bible out and read it. I'm not reading out loud. I'm just reading. I get up from there, put my shorts on, grab my cigarettes, go outside. You aren't perfect, not even when you got saved. 
I went outside. Then I'd go over, jump the fence. My brother let go there. We'd read the Bible and study. Then we'd go off to work. It wasn't about a month and a half later. My mom said, you know, so I think you need to move if I move away. Well, I was 21. By the time I got out on my own, you fellas can't stay in your mom's basement until you're 40. Anyway, so I said, okay. Now, it didn't make sense to me until I realized my mom wasn't saved. My other sisters were saved. Light and darkness cannot dwell together. They did not know Christ, the light of the world. I did. I wasn't doing anything on purpose to offend them. I was on purpose trying to live for God. That's all I was doing. And that in itself said, you're different. And then you'll be attacked. You're doing that to make us feel bad. No, I'm doing that because it's the right thing to do. So Elijah learned to take a stand for God. You see, what happens is not only was Elijah opposed by the king and, and to play it safe and fit in like everybody else was in his day in the community, not Elijah. Elijah wasn't that way. He did not believe in the unbiblical philosophy of fit in and help our neighborhood. That's why we're here. This church isn't here to fit in the neighborhood. Don't look at me like that. You'll not find any Bible for that whatsoever. That's a modern-day lying philosophy. I am not on purpose to irritate our neighborhood. I was saved and left here to tell other people about Christ. And then when they get saved, they need to be here so we can teach them and train them how to live for God. That's it. Nothing about fitting in the community. Elijah wouldn't do that. He did not fit in on that. He believed in one God, one Bible, one baptism, one Holy Spirit, one Lord of us all. Where do I get that? In the New Testament. That's exactly what the Bible says. Not a, folks, oh, there's so much. Listen, listen, listen. Every time you turn on TV, we're an all-inclusive nation. We accept all religions. Now, but it wasn't based on that when we got started. You're not learning American history. You're learning socialized history. American history. People left other nations to come here to serve, in particular, Jesus Christ. Not Muhammad, not Muslims, not Mormons, not Catholics. Actually, it was the Catholic Church that was killing Baptists left and right. Study history to learn these things. He was not afraid to condemn false religions. That's kind of, you said here, you're drawing lines. I know you are. Even though you say, he shouldn't judge. You're judging me now. Sure you are. I don't think I go along with that. You just made a judgment. You know, I like what he said. You just made a judgment that one time. And you just made a judgment, right? You do understand. Elijah, Jesus, Paul, Jeremiah, they all openly discounted false religions. They all did. Your Savior did. Jesus did. He talked to the Pharisees and said, you, 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 you snakes, vipers. You know what you're like? You're like a coffin full of dead men's bones. That's a little rough, Jesus. You'd have probably straightened him out, wouldn't you? I don't think I'll say it that way. But that's what he did. By the way, Islam is a false religion, just like Mormon is a false religion. Catholicism, that's a false religion. Jehovah No Witness is a false religion. Reincarnationists, humanists, Baptist generation, a baptismal regeneration crowd. In other words, you're saved by baptism. Ran into a person just the other day, said the same thing. I said, when did you get saved? I was baptized when I was about seven. Baptism doesn't save you, folks. Jesus saved you. Jesus saved you. 
Without the shedding of blood is no remission. That, that is not miracle water. If it is, I'd sell it and pay for this bottle. There's no such thing. You ready? You vampires. Get behind me, Satan. It doesn't work that way. The God of the Bible, the Savior of the Bible, salvation of the Bible, God's Word, the King James Bible, as the only authorized version that God has given to us, His Word. Anything, any compromise, I'm sorry, any inclusiveness, big word nowadays, right? Everybody's in on that. Remember when they used to say, outside the envelope? Everybody said that. Oh, outside the envelope. Are you breathing? Yeah, but it's outside the envelope. You know, we did all this kind of stuff. We catch on to phrases and we don't even know what they mean. Do you know when they use the word all-inclusive, what you just said? Anything and everything should be accepted. What's, what's all-inclusive mean then? Right? Wow, you're getting real quiet, aren't you? What should Christians' actions be in a time of trouble? Do right and serve God. Just do right and serve God. I, I'm trying to hurry. I really, I, I'll never get through all this. Folks, here, here's what I'm after. The reason Christians are no longer taking their stand for God, we're afraid. We're just afraid people won't like us anymore. We're just afraid that our own family would say, I think it's time you moved. We're afraid that our family will say something like, oh, you think you're better than us now because you're going to church. I hear from our folks all the time. Preacher, I never thought you would say that. And then it breaks their heart because they're saying, that's not what I meant. I know that. Do you know Jesus went about doing good and they crucified him? You know why? Because he did not agree with them and what they did. Where are the preachers today? Where are the moms and dads who will take their family and say, for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. But more men will listen to their wife when she puts her boot down. If you're going to do that, I'm going to. You're not the leader of your family. You never will be. Well, there's no leader. We both kind of agree. That's against the Bible. Everything you're doing is wrong and out of step. It really does work. I wish my wife were here right now. She'd tell you. You say, like, I bet his wife's not here. She's not. Not right now. She's not. But she'll sit right back there, and the whole time she's doing this. She'll tell you the other day, too, she was saying that the, the cause of most problems in the church, you ready for this? My, my sweet wife are women. A woman said that. Are you kidding me? One of your own kind? <laughs> My wife. Uh, the cause of most problems in churches and marriages are women. Now, right now, you're fussing. I, can't, I smell the wood burning. Oh, it's, oh my, it's just going up, right? Do you know there's a way to live? It's not easy. Just right. There's no substitute for right. Elijah, wouldn't you like to have been there that day? By the way, you wouldn't have stood either. He stood by himself. What a man. What a man. He wasn't there to show off. He wasn't there for everybody to look at him. He was there to know God is still alive and we need to serve him. And he stood there all day long, one against the nation. One. One person. 
in your school, one person in your neighborhood. I'm not saying get placards. I'm saying live for God the way he says, not the way you think is all right. When you do that, you're going to run into a lot of trouble. But oh my goodness, he turned the nation back to God. And he had more trouble after this, a lot more trouble. You know, right after all this took place, it started to rain again, everything was fine. Jezebel heard that that guy, that preacher, killed all of her fun. You know, she did? She wrote him a letter. I get letters all the time. Wrote him a letter. Dear preacher, I love you. I do. Dear preacher, drop dead. See you outside. Um, that'd be your biggest mistake. No, okay. Uh, and so what happened? She wrote him a letter, a threatening letter. You know what she said? You know what this woman politician told this preacher? I'm going to ruin you. I will kill your life. By this time tomorrow, your head will roll down the mountain just like you caused all of my problems today. For some reason, he got scared. Different things affect us, don't they? You may be able to stand here, but you fall here. We need to do more standing than falling. Elijah took off running. Come to find out by the time that was done, God said, I got your replacement, Elisha. That's a shame. I like Elijah. What a man. I like men who are, listen, fellas, not a man. Hey, you want to move that pulpit by myself? That's not a man. That's part of a man. They used to call him gentleman, a gentle man. Not a gentle we don't know. Not a, he's a man, but he's far from being gentle. A gentleman. There's all kinds of things in the Bible we don't know anything about. Truth just waiting to happen. It's there. But let's start here. Are you saved? I'm talking about standing for God. You can't do that if you don't know him. Not know about him. I mean know him. Know him. You say, I, I need to learn more. No, you don't. You need to get to know him. The day I got saved, I, do, I was not raised in a Christian home. We did not pray over our food. You may remember this. I don't remember this at all. We grew up in the streets. When my mom and dad divorced, we all hit the streets and did pretty much everything we could. I sat in a Baptist church for the first time in my life and heard this guy yelling and screaming about everything. My first thought was, who turned this guy loose? Should he be out on his own? And I sat back there and I listened to the whole thing and I walked out of church that night with my brother begging me I said, I'll be okay. Just let me get out. I got busted four grades in the military for fighting my sergeants. Almost went to prison. Almost killed two people. Went down here on Central Avenue, started building. I thought, I'm good now. Just going about my business. That's what you think, don't you? You think after this meeting, it'll just be business as normal, don't you? Won't it? And then after I lost everything, I had no place to go, was living with my mom living. A real good Christian. Who wasn't about ready to let his little brother die and go to hell? Stopped me every time he walked out of the house and said, Let's go to church with you, please. Bill, leave me alone. I got things to do, got things going on. You're lying to yourself. You're lying to yourself. No, you don't. I had nothing and still told him, I have things going on. And then one night I gave in and said, Okay, I'll go to church. Get you off my back. 
Are you getting somebody that wants to be baptized? Why are you here? Why are you here? I'll tell you why Jesus is calling you. Because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Come on, change your mind about me, change your mind about you. Don't tell me how you live, what church you went to, where you grew up. It's just you a sinner. Jesus is the Savior. Take everything else and get rid of it and answer that question. What are you going to do with Jesus, which is called Christ? Would you bow those and pray? Father.